five, four, three, two, one, zero. All engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. You're listening to Tabletop and Beyond with your host, Justin. But before we get started, how was your geek week? And co-hosts, Dan and Jason. You have to be willing to let the dice help you tell the story. Okay, look, this year, I'm going to stop mispronouncing words. Join us as we cover board games to war games and beyond. Welcome to Tabletop and Beyond Podcast. I am your host, Justin, and I am joined by a special guest host today, one of my favorites who has also been on the show before, Matt Barker. Matt, welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you so much, Justin, for having me on. This is uh, truly a pleasure. Listen, uh, I I think the last time you were on with us was like almost a year and a half ago. I remember us kind of joking about this new thing that was coming out that might, uh, you know, uh, this new thing called this weird COVID thing that might uh, might start making its rounds. I actually remember us talking about like some video games, you know, virus based video games and stuff like that. And that's yeah. right. We're talking uh, hold- about the importance of like uh, tabletop simulator and all that, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah. But uh, for our listeners, uh, you may be a little surprised because this doesn't have our normal episode moniker on it. Uh, This is going to be the beginning of a special series that we're going to be doing, a a once-a-month series called Talkin' Warhammer under the Tabletop and Beyond podcast. Matt, you are our first guest on the Topping Warhammer segment. Well, it's going to be all uphill from here, let me tell you. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know about that. I don't know about that. Matt, you and I go... We go. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't say like way, way back because we we haven't been friends for like twenty plus years. But we go back a good a good ways. I remember when you were just venturing your into the uh, Warhammer foray into the scene in Northern Virginia, and um, yeah, we we've, we've played a lot of a lot of uh, tabletop games together. Uh, I think of all the people that I have learned uh, Warhammer from, like really truly learned it. There's two people. There's you. Um, and there's Nate Trentinelli, because um, I was able to get a lot of great games in with him um, at our, you know, the Guild Gaming Shop. And uh, same with you. And so, like, you two, I think, combined really taught me uh, really how to play Warhammer, and I consider myself lucky because both of you are fantastic players. Well, I was going to say, so you named two people there. One of them is... Um you know, one of the best players in the country, and the other is uh, me. So <laughs> Nate is a fantastic player, uh, tactician, list builder, and other than that, just an all-around great guy. So um, yeah, couldn't learn from a uh, from a, a better a better community in the Northern Virginia area. Yeah, I I can't uh, wait to have him on the podcast. Um, I was going to try to get him on. He told me that he was so hungover, and this is like a week later <laughs> from Las Vegas, that he wasn't sure he was going to be able to make it. But, um, you know, the funny thing about playing with Nate is that um, I he has never beat me. Oh. He has never beat me. Yes. Oh. Now, the, the big asterisk caveat to that is <laughs> that he was pulling out just random units that he had and trying to make, like, some sort of, you know, grand... Uh, Grand Allegiance order soup, you know. So like, there was one point where he had like some Phoenix Guard and some some Kurnoth Hunters, and then a, a Frost Phoenix, and 
he's like, well, we'll try this out and see how it works, you know. Mm-hmm. And and uh, we had it. We I mean, we had some great matches, um, but he has he has not beaten. Well, if that's so. the case, and in a world where A equals B and uh, B equals C, so A equals C, that means that you should, when you jump into the competitive scene again, uh, should be right up there at the top ten of the ITC then. <laughs> of course. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I, I, I was always like, uh, Nate, what are you going to bring for me? Bring me, some, you know, bring me some of your hard stuff. And he's like, oh, I'm, I'm kind of working on painting my... Um, my blood knights and stuff like that and i don't know i don't know and then he comes out and like kills it like in a tournament where he's playing like soul blight grave lord blood knights you know and i'm like oh my gosh i never saw that list and i don't think i want to <laughs> it was so rough oh it's so good but blood, um, blood knights are one of those units where the models that just got um you know revamped uh, you know maybe a couple of months ago maybe a year ago mm-hmm. when the new soul blight book came out they just the games workshop knocked it out of the park by taking such a classic unit with um a, a beloved feel and then updating it but keeping yeah. that same vibe oh definitely I, like i remember like um in it, this was the twilight of aos 2.0 right mm-hmm. um the the uh the blood knight train was a thing you know, where, like, it was just so many Blood Knights, and it would just, like, wreck shop. And, it, like, they, it was a great... They're a great model with a great war scroll, and you could absolutely build a very competitive army with them. So, yeah, good stuff. Very good stuff. But let's talk about, before we get into LVO, because that's really, that's really why I wanted to have you on here. I know you're at LVO. We were getting some periodic updates from you, uh, you know, through our chat. Um, I want to talk about LVO, but before we do that... Um, let's talk about Nurgle, my friend, because you are King Nurgle, and I can officially call you that. Oh boy! Because because you are the twenty twenty uh, I don't know twenty twenty two best Nurgle champion for the ITC. Yeah, so uh, uh, so it would it, so it's for the twenty twenty one ITC season. Okay. I was I was uh, um, lucky enough to stave off some very stiff competition from um, a couple of very skilled gamers uh, who were all vying for the um, best in faction Nurgle um, title in the ITC, the international tournament circuit. Um, Matt Jones in the Southern California area here, a, a SoCal local. Um, and Andrew Simmons, who you will recognize from the Northern Virginia area, as well as uh, Paul Conti, who runs the Radio Free Hammer Hall podcast, and a smattering of other very talented uh, um, Nurgle players. Uh, I literally was able to secure that title with 1.6 tournament points. So um, out of, you know, I think my total score was something like a little bit over 450, which is 0.003% of our total points was the difference between me and Matt Jones. So, it, you know, it's so wild. You know, that's something like for anybody who plays Warhammer that's in your audience, it's something like maybe one or two battle tactics over the course of an entire year. You know, yeah. it's yeah. it's crazy. It's crazy. Great player. Um, I have played. I, I haven't met Matt Jones. Uh, I hope to do. Was he at LVO this year? He was, and uh, we both went three and two. I managed okay. to come in 49th place. I know we're going to get into this in a little bit. And he yeah. came in 50th. I literally came in oh, one spot gosh. ahead of him. That was that's, it, dude. That was it. That was the winner. Yeah, wow, that's wild. Um, Andrew Simmons, 
I play against him somewhat regularly. Um, I played against him at the Nova Open. Uh, he was running the Talleyrand. Is that the right Talleyrand uh, faction? The, yeah, the the ta he was running Taliban for a while in the uh, in second edition when there were still War Scroll battalions. Yep. Great, yep. Andrew Simmons is a great dude. Yeah, and uh, I played against him again in um, a little RTT that we had back here in October of last year. And um, this was pre Nurgle book. Like we, I think the announcement came out like maybe a week or two after we had played. Mm -hmm. But man, he uh, the Nurgle though had some nice benefits that had come out in in some of those um, uh, faction books, right? Not the faction books, but like the you know the campaign game. book, yeah, campaign books, yeah. And so they had some nice faction benefits that um, really I thought made them still very competitive in 2.0. Um, especially like, like if you if you put a Nurgle army in the hands of an unskilled general, right? Somebody who might be new. Yeah, they probably might go one and two, zero, oh and three in an RTT. But um, you you put it in the hands of a skilled general, they could easily go two and one, three and oh, depending on the meta that's there. Yeah, absolutely. So the Wrath of the Ever Chosen uh, came out with a couple of sub factions because the Nurgle book was so old it had. Yeah. Uh, it was released uh, before second edition Age of Sigmar, and so it didn't have these sub-faction bonuses, you know, the enclaves yep. or the sky ports that gave you special rules. So they kind of, um, you know, gave them an update in the uh, Wrath of the Everchosen book, and they were they were really strong, you know? They were very thematic but very strong. So, yeah, it, I think the, after that it really... Uh, became you, you were showcasing your list building skills as opposed yes. to maybe your generalship on the tabletop. That's where that's where a lot of Nurgle players were getting their, you know, their their uh, um, the edge on their opponents was their list writing. Yeah, and look, Andrew Simmons is one of the best of them out there because like he's Absolutely. always like always trying to like figure out like where he could get his edge, you know. New uh, tech, you know, new yeah. combos. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he was really great. And I played against it. I used a double mock crusher list against him. Oof. Um, he had uh, he had a great unclean one. He had a glotkin and uh, a bellicor. Um, and Ooh. a ton of plague bearers, right? Y yes. Um, and uh, so he had some great combos working for him. I, I misplayed some of my... Um, battle tactics because this was like the first tournament i had ever done in 3.0 yeah so like yep. you know just i was i was knocking, knocking the rust off of my boots a little bit you know to like um to get in there uh but man he played it he played it super well and i ended up losing to him uh, with a double mock crusher list so uh you know he did he did great he did great yeah battle tactics in third edition are really important to um you know making sure you're playing not only just getting them every turn if you can but really about playing the right ones at the right time and and you know foreseeing you know a turn or two ahead and what you might want to use later on um it's it really separates the good generals from the bad generals toward the uh end of second edition there before magakin got their new updated battle tome i was running um a similar list with a great unclean one in bellicor i was bringing in yeah. bellicor with just like 80 plague bearers oh <laughs> it was gosh. just that, it was a total was denial list yeah, yeah, it was a total denial That's, that's how it was. I mean, I was just like, I would run in with my piggies and brutes. And, I mean, fortunately, the brutes with the double uh, rend, or with the negative two rend on the hackas, right? And 
and um, you know the piggies. Uh, you know, I had a couple units of them running in, so they were taking care of the playbears pretty well. But man, they they all had like negative one to hit, and there was like re-rolling sixes, and I mean there was all sorts of stuff that was just like completely oh, and, and negative one to rend. So yes. it was like completely nerfing my, I mean all the powerful stuff of my orcs. You know, and I just could not kill them. It was just really frustrating. That's what Nurgle was really good at doing, where you you have this game plan in your head, and then you just run into a brick wall, and you're like, <laughs> wow, you know, you're getting four or five up saves, and I've got Ren 2, Ren 3, and, you know, you got your ward saves, and then, oh, Bellacor just shut down my big uh, powerhouse unit, and, yeah. you know, and, and, and here I, here you are shuffling 80 bodies on objective. So it was, it was tough, but, you know, they're playing with a new battle tome now, and... Uh, um, you know, it's it's really good. So let's talk about the new battle tome. I mean, we don't have to go into all the specifics and things like that, but sure. What what do you love about the new battle tome? The one of the the number one thing I love about the new battle tome is that it's thematic. Okay, so I was just gonna say that I'm not kidding. Like, it seems like one of the most thematic books I've ever seen. Yeah, it really is. So the previous book, you know, the um, the Naromaz, the faction terrain, gave Nurgle units run and charge, and one of the sub-faction bonuses gave them an auto-run six. So, you know, you had lists where you had 30, 40, 50 Blight Kings just rocketing across the table, and it just didn't I've never feel... seen that from anybody before. <laughs> guilty, guilty. But, uh, but it just didn't feel like a Nurgle army, and that's the number one thing with this new Battle Tome, is it feels thematic it feels the way a nurgle army should play but it's also competitive it's also viable in the um yeah. you know in the top tables um one thing that stood out to me is there seems to be a lot of different builds that you can get out of this book oh yeah um which which i think is awesome i love i love when the warhammer riders are able to squeeze out multiple very thematic builds that are competitive, right? Because it's like we've all had a book where it's you know, and this is this is going in you know AOS 2.0 where like you had factions and and um, and uh, battalions and things like that where like you know Night Hunt had six battalions but two were viable, mm-hmm. like two were the only playable ones. Like and and if you tried playing the other ones, well, good luck, buddy. Like that's a nice narrative Ooh. list you got there. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, so you know, it's always great to see a book where you're just like, wow, I can do this. and Or I can go a completely different direction and do that. And um, it seems to me that the Nurgle book also engages so many of its models. Like, there's not, not a lot of models that are sitting by the wayside that you won't ever play with. Um, no, and they're really uh, de-incentivizing Nurgle soup. You know, Nurgle had one uh-huh. of the largest possible pools of war scrolls you could draw from probably fewer than order or stormcast for sure but you could play the uh the pestilence models i know andrew simmons always liked to play a lot of plague monks um you could play the um beast of chaos with them you could play the slaves to darkness units the demons the mortals you know um but this book really emphasizes the war scrolls it incentivizes you to use the war scrolls in the battle tome and just like you said you're not leaving too many models on the shelf if you want to run you know plague drones you can go ahead and run plague drones and you can feel confident in your choice um, i know a lot of people in the previous book really wanted to run the puscoil blight lords which are essentially blight kings but on a uh, a fly a rot fly mount yeah in the, yeah. In the previous edition they weren't um 
you know, they weren't living up to competitive expectations. Totally um, viable and very powerful in this new book. Um, the Great Unclean One now is not kind of just this support piece who kind of sits back and, you know, casts spells and just, uh, you know, hands out debuffs. He's getting in the thick of it and he slaps So uh, yeah. in combat. So uh, there are enough. Beasts of Nurgle were much maligned for so long. They had <laughs> such a terrible War Scroll. And now emerging as one of the more competitive builds in this book is Horticulous with. I mean, sometimes I've seen ridiculous lists with up to 12 Beasts of Nurgle. Yeah. Um, so uh, there are just numerous ways to play no matter what your favorite minis are. Well, I was going to say, I remember you telling me because I was, um, I was uh, collecting some models for Warcry. Um, you know, and there's, a, there's some Nurgle uh, units in there. And I was like, hey, what about these Beasts of Chaos? And you're like, we don't buy Beasts of Chaos. Like, they're no good. Like, oh yeah, the like, the, oh, okay. the beast of Nur- the beast of Nurgle. Oh, yeah. yeah, sorry, beast of Nurgle. No yeah, problem. we don't buy the beast of Nurgle because it's like uh, it's no good, you know. And I was like, oh okay, I guess they're really really bad. But then, but then you kind of find out they're actually really really good now, you know. They and, they got an update. Them and Sloppity Bile Piper had some in Spoil Puck Scrivener had some really um, which Sloppity Bile Piper like an amazing mini with a great yeah. with one of the greatest War Scroll names of all time. So fun. Yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Um, but they had they did the rules just weren't weren't there. Uh, they got an update in the Broken Realms Bellacore book. So yeah. over the course of a couple of years, you, you see these sort of piecemeal updates. But this new battle tome really brings it all together. It's a gr- it really and one of my personal favorite mechanics in the book is um, the disease mechanic. Where oh, yeah. explaining it very briefly, if it, it really harkens back to the old school. You know, I started playing in this hobby with Warhammer 40,000, 40K, the sci-fi version. Uh-huh. And um, there was a great codex, a Demon's Codex in 3rd Edition, where if you were just standing next to a Nurgle unit, your armor, your, your, your you know, um, your acumen, your, your abilities were just slowly eroding away. And um, this disease mechanic, it harkens back to that old school um, play style where if you're near a Nurgle unit at the end of the movement phase or the combat phase, you start racking up these disease points. And in the Battleshock phase, at the end of every turn, you roll dice and you're taking mortal wounds just because you're getting increasingly sick or atrophied from just standing next to uh, physical in- incarnations of rot and decay and corrosion. Right. So, and uh, uh, and anytime you get hit by one of their weapons, and it's a six to hit melee shooting, you're getting more disease tokens. Um, some units pump out the disease more. I mentioned plague drones; they just spread disease like madness. Um, and uh, uh, and and uh, uh, there are sub factions which can double down on that strategy. So. I like it because it definitely is sort of um, r- reminds me of a play style from long ago, but it's again very competitive today. Well, and it's so thematic, right? Because like, if, if you if you're thinking about like, okay, I've got these these orcs charging up onto these you know these rotted, decayed blight kings, right? And they're hacking into these things. There's got to be disease and filth and stuff just spewing all over the place, right? Yeah, or if you get so, nicked with one of their weapons, it's going to, you yeah. know, fester and get septic and, and everything like that. So, Yeah, exactly. And so um, what I like about the mechanic, too, is that um, it, it provides the opportunity for mortal wounds that you can inflict on the units, right? But it's, um, it is capped at a certain point. And so it doesn't feel over powerful. You know, it's a powerful mechanic and a cool mechanic, but it's not overwhelming. Like, you know, which means that 
um, it's still keeping things competitive, right? Like, I can, you know, I as an orc player or even as a night hunt player may not be able to get away from the contagion because I've got to, I've got to, uh, I've got to get into combat sometime, you know. But um, I know that like an entire unit isn't going to be completely lost in one turn because uh, just due to that, you know what I mean. It's thematically capped at seven disease points per turn, um, and then after. So, you know, let's say, for instance, your uh, Gore Gruntus charge in, and, yep. you know, I get some good rolls, and all of a sudden you take some disease because you're near me at the end of combat, and I got a couple of good um, sixes to hit. Yep. And it's capped at seven. So at the at the beginning of the Battleshock phase, I would roll seven dice, and for each four plus, you take a mortal wound. And you're like, okay, well, you know, how is that How is that really going to change the course of a battle? You know, that's, what, three, four, between three and four mortal wounds on average, um, yeah. you know, per, per Battleshock phase. Well, that happens every turn. Your Battleshock phase, my Battleshock yeah. phase. And, um, you know, it, it doesn't play. It does, On paper, it doesn't seem like it's going to be crazy, but that has taken every turn and you're slow. And I've noticed these weird things where it just happens at the right time where like, oh, that last, that oh, uh, uh, I still have this objective, but I have disease yeah. rolls and then one guy, you know, gets, dies from disease and now I've got the objective and I scored, you know, point or uh, battle tactics are lost or gained. It's, it has That's a, a fun, point. it has a funny way of inserting itself into um, times when you wouldn't think it would and it, it really has been very impactful on the tabletop, even if it doesn't look like it on the on paper. Now, with Nurgle, um, one of their big weaknesses in the past, and, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I, I still think it's this way, is their lack of rend. Um, and so did they get a, a big change to their rend profile across War Scrolls? Um, on some War Scrolls, yes. Um, they're still not going to be... Um, you know, going punch for punch with something like mm-hmm. or- orc war clans, or you know, vampire armies, or even the new stormcast dragons. Um, yeah. But some war we'll scrolls. Talk about them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, please no, no, I'm just kidding. Um, no, no, but uh, um, there are some war scrolls that were um, incredibly uh, given a, a good buff, as they say. Um, yeah. To much of the fans, the Nurgle fans' delight, all of the uh, the Magath lords were given uh, a huge increase in both rend and damage. Um, the great unclean one, his sword is doing a flat four damage at rend oh. two. Oh. Um, yeah, it's. It, I mean, but um, it's a big sword. You would expect it to do that, right? Yeah, he's got a big honking sword, and you know, uh, and he's a big chonky boy, so he's got some force behind it for sure. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, there are a number of War Scrolls that have an increase in rend and damage that allow them to, uh, um, you know, put a hurting on the opponent. So I, I think it's interesting because in AOS 3.0, you know, the it, it's almost like um, the mechanic of save stacking has become a big thing, right? Like being able to um, add to your saves and, and give buffs to your saves uh, to help counter some of the rend that has been coming out. So... You know, I, it's funny because even though some of the War Scrolls might have gotten buffed to where they're like, you know, they weren't didn't have Ren before or they have one or they went from one to two or something like that. Um, it uh, It's almost like a net neutral, which is kind of a win. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like if you didn't get nerfed, it's a win. Um, it's kind of like a net neutral. But with if you add in the disease mechanic that you have, I think that that kind of gets around some of the lack of rend that, that the Nurgle has, you know. 
oh, I've played against a few armies where, you know, they're, you know, got Mystic Shield or all-out defense or some other plus-one save mechanic, and they're sitting on, like, a two-up save, and, you know, hey, listen, uh, if I just roll a couple of sixes in there, and all of a sudden you got seven disease counters on you, and, you know, uh, uh, there's a, you know, and there's a couple of different ways in the Nurgle Battle Tome to um, make disease more impactful. Yeah, I don't care how much armor you have; that disease is yeah. gonna is gonna get in there and, and do It'll its work. Find its way. Yeah, It'll find yeah. its way. <laughs> um, all right. So, what what don't you like about the Maggot Kin book right now? Um, you know, I was pretty high on. There was a big division in the uh, Nurgle community. You know, on these various WhatsApp groups and and everything like that. Yeah. When we were sort of digesting the changes, and you know, Plague Bearers saw a very big change. You know, they used to be one wound apiece. With um, they had a uh, a way to engage in that save stacking game where they started at a four up base save. They they were ignoring your uh, one rend. Uh, uh -huh. Multiple ways of adding. It, of adding plus to save so a lot of times you weren't even shifting me off a four plus save no matter how much rend you had um right. now nowadays they got their armor save is a six plus so essentially you know negligible um yeah. but they were given two wounds a piece it's just uh, i didn't understand i didn't quite understand the reason they went up in points i didn't quite understand yeah. the reason for the the loss of their save and also the loss. so that was something that i didn't like to see although Plague Bears are still an anvil, and they can take an incredible amount of punishment. Um, you know, they still have their ward save. It was just, it was a big, it was a change in how they're resilient, in the in the way they were resilient. And uh, um, so it was just a little bit of a, of a kind of a sticker shock, if you will. Yeah, I mean, I guess if you, you know, and I know this is never one for one, right? But I guess if you figure okay well if they've got a four up save and we get rid of that save two wounds kind of meets the math there a little bit but you and i both know that's not really how the math works right so um and and for them to go up in points i i think the uh, the upping in points for those plague bearers i mean obviously they got two wounds they get their six up save and they have the disgusting resilient five up up Five plus yeah, the, so the whole yeah. the 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 whole army now, not just the demons, oh, nice. has okay. a right. five up board across the board, and you know, uh, kind of tying into what I was saying is, you know, the it's become a much lower model count army, and I think Games yeah. Workshop is moving in that direction to speed up games and everything, um, yeah. you know. But 150 points for your cheapest battle line option is sometimes yeah. it, it certainly uh, limits you in the list building phase. Well, I feel that. I mean, a, a unit of 10 um, Ard Boys is 160 points. And um, they hit like a wet noodle now. They used to be like the best unit that um, that the Oryx had in 2.0, right? Um, but with the new battle tone that came out for the Oryx War Clans, the uh, Ard Boys are just... I mean, I'd rather take a, rather take one unit of Brutes and five other Ard Boys, or 10 other Ard Boys, you know? So... Um, yeah, uh, there's just changes, and I think it's definitely, like, low mo model count, um, which is kind of nice. You don't have to transport as much, right? Like, Oh, abso absolutely. <laughs> yeah, totally. It doesn't take totally. as long to set up, you know, so that's and, good. And where, and where there are adjustments and, you know, things that aren't uh, maybe something I'm a huge fan of, there are uh, a number of things in terms of War Scrolls. You know, the Glotkin was always a more of a narrative pick, more of a pick because you yeah. wanted to include the model, um, but not always the most competitive choice. 
now he's um, he got he's such an incredible war scroll with uh, just right. a, a a build on his own. And uh, um, you know, if you don't mind me gushing over him for a second, he's got this incredible no. com- got this incredible command ability called the Blight Krieg, where um, at the end of the enemy movement phase, if there is um, an enemy unit within twelve inches of him and another Nurgle unit, um, I can attempt to charge. In That's your awesome. enemy move phase. And on the surface, it's like, okay, well, you know, you charge in and, you know, I still get to strike you first. But, you know, what if you were going to try to charge onto an objective and now I just interrupted right. that? Or 100%. if you were you were planning on charging a weakened battle line unit and you had chosen broken ranks and then I interrupt that and I stop you getting a battle tactic, um, have a huge effect on the game. So, again, something that's kind of hard to see its value on paper, but when you play it, um, it's, it's amazing. And then yeah, also, the, the and, and also they gave, and they also gave him Ren two and three damage for all his attacks. So he's also, and a flat five mortal wounds on the impact. So oh my gosh, when, when he uh, charges into something. Yeah. on a two, uh, his, so he's got a unique monstrous action, just like the Maw crusher. And on a two okay. up, he, on a two up, he does a flat five mortal wounds on the, oh, at the nice. end of the charge phase. Good. Yeah. That's very good. Um, yeah, I was going to say that the, um, uh, the uh, he sounds a lot like a mock Russia now, you know, with the, a, a lot of that stuff. And and the Oryx have um, like with the blood tooths, right? With the Gorgrentas, they've got that charge in the enemy's. Um, uh, no, actually, it's not the blood tooths. It's the um, it's the ev- uh, evil sons. Is that right? You'll have to forgive me. I have I'm not up uh, on yeah. the uh, on the Oryx uh, man, book I'm all that much. Up, yeah, I think my forty k my forty k factions, but it's um, uh, it's the other it's the other faction that lets you charge in the enemy's charge phase, right? Um, and so that's pretty cool because like you can do a lot of the same stuff, especially since like with orcs, like they want to keep a lot of times people want to keep their units out of they want to play a little cagey with them, right, and keep them out of combat. So. They'll be like, okay, well, I'm not going to charge you. And it's like, haha, well, I'm going to charge you. I'm bringing the fight to you anyway, yeah. <laughs> so um, it's kind of cool to see that, you know, um, uh, see that with, like, the Glotkin. And, by the way, you have probably the best Glotkin in the game uh, in terms of the model and paint job and, and uh, you know, conversion that you've done on it easily the best glotkin i've seen in the game i was gonna say there are so many talented uh nurgle painters out there i'm very happy with mine i i am an arborist as a profession so i try to incorporate my love of trees and plants into um <laughs> annoyingly a lot of the models that i have and uh, uh and he's no exception so um yeah i really appreciate the kind words I, i'm very happy w- with him and i i love bringing him on the table it's pretty it's pretty cool so I'm going to have to uh, take some of the pictures that you sent me from LVO with your display board um, and throw it up on our social media because, um, like, that, like, it was an awesome display. Like, let's talk about your display board, and then we'll get into LVO a little bit. Sounds good. So I spent a couple of weeks uh, building it, um, and I was able to incorporate uh, three of my uh, bonsai trees uh, from my collection of an uh, one of my maybe my second favorite uh, my new second favorite hobby is uh, doing uh, bonsai trees and I was able to incorporate them on the display board um, by 
uh, keeping them in their clay pots that they they're growing in but um, cutting them into the uh, the foam and then um, it's funny I had to I told my friend I was like oh I got to put my uh, display board on the balcony and, and and water it to keep it alive and <laughs> and uh, I, I I covered it all with like a um, with a with a living moss all over the board just to try to give it like a foresty floor and then of course my great unclean one and my um, my Glotkin have some of the citadel trees modeled growing off of them and all my blight kings have trees growing out of them um you know because nurgle is as much as he is about disease and rot he is about rebirth and new life so just kind of tried to incorporate a feel of these you know uh you know these these uh rotting uh warriors of decay that's sort of walking through the forest and all of a sudden these plants and and uh, trees are germinating in their uh, 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 this is maybe <laughs> I hope you guys aren't eating eating uh, dinner listening to this because it can get a little gross. But you know, just like germinating in the sort of the rotting organic matter that uh, that's uh, that they uh, their host that they're hosts of. So it, it's it was, a, it was a joy to work on. It was one of the most incredible display boards I think I've seen. I don't I don't think you could name anyone who has ever put living plant matter on their display board before. Well, uh, just you wait. I have um, I have a really really neat idea for for next year that I I really did want to get the go ahead and the okay from from the tournament organizer before I went ahead and executed it. So uh-huh. um, so I'm not going to give any spoilers here, but uh, but next year I have something really cool planned. I cannot wait to hear about it. Uh, I'm really excited. Really excited. So let's talk about let's talk about LVO, okay? Las Vegas Open for those of you who are probably wondering why the heck I keep saying LVO. It's the Las Vegas Open, and this tournament is important for a couple of reasons. One, it's the first major tournament of the year. Last um, major. It's the well, end of the season. So so it's the first major tournament of the calendar year. I'm sorry. But it also is the last major tournament of the ITC season. Right, so go. it is an alpha and an omega in our world, <laughs> a little bit, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's it's very cool. I was able to go there in 2019. They didn't have it in 2020, or no, we, I went there in 2020 because it was right before um, everything started to shut down. And then I obviously didn't make it in 2021, and I unfortunately couldn't make it this year in 2022. So I hope to get there again, hopefully next year. Um, but uh, the nice, the interesting thing, because it is the last big tournament in the ITC, this is the one where all the competitive players are trying to eke out those critical points in getting either best in ITC or best in their faction, and um, you know emerge on top. So we actually had a an episode earlier in our podcast about the ITC. I think you and Garrett were on there um, talking about the ITC. Or no, maybe it, it was um, Garrett Sergio. and his friends. Yeah, oh well, okay. I I know that I know that you had me and Sergio on to talk right. about the the ITC. Um, you know, Garrett. Okay, that's uh, right. That's right. Uh, Garrett, our mutual friend, is also um, you know uh, a big part of that as well uh, with Best Coast pairing. So I'm sure yeah. he, he he would also make an incredible guest if you haven't had him on yet. Uh, we've had it's been a while, so I'm I'm looking forward to getting him on again sometime soon. But. Um, uh, yeah, anyway, the uh, the point is, though, is that this tournament is a big tournament, right? Like, it is it is the last one where you can really stake your claim and, and really try to go for those points. So it gets real competitive. Uh, the format of the LVO is that it is basically a major tournament where you've got three rounds the first day, two rounds the second day, 
and then they'll take the top eight on the third day and um, have basically a playoff uh, well it's I guess it's an eight person tournament um, to get to the top which is a three three round uh, day right yep um, single elimination for the top eight yep. yeah absolutely and then uh, the, all the rest of us plebs who don't make it to the top eight we get to play doubles on on Sunday so which is always a good time <laughs> I, I I after you know after uh, five rounds and two days and um, you know I, I obviously didn't make it to the top eight and, and and if you are so lucky to do I just five rounds and two days it's a lot of Warhammer it I, is I a lot. I, I took the sa- I took the Sunday to enjoy this to enjoy Vegas with my wife and uh, um, and some friends. So how hungover were you this week? <laughs> you know, uh, I I, I've, I very much enjoy Vegas. Um, I try on the day the nights before I play. Um, I you know I go out and have fun, but you know I I really do take the tournament seriously and yeah. I. I wouldn't want to, I would never forgive myself if I, you know, lost a game because, or I lost, you know, valuable points, like you were saying, and kind of sullied or soured the year a little bit because I kind of carried on the night before. So certainly have the fun, but, you know, dial it back just a notch uh, on the, the, the nights before you play. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, LVO is great. Uh, it's a, it's a fun atmosphere. Uh, was it at Bally's again this year? No, this year it was at the Rio. Um, oh, interesting. Yeah, yeah. So it was. Um, it wasn't on the Strip. It was. Um, you know, a, a little bit off. The, those not familiar with with Vegas, you have you have the Strip. Uh, yeah. In 2020, it was at Bally's, which is right there, right in the center of everything. Right in the middle. Yep. Yeah, Rio's a little bit off the beaten path a little bit. So if you didn't stay, I, me and my wife stayed at the Cosmopolitan. So, you know, I had to make my way over there. Luckily, uh, um, one of my t- uh, teammates from the Left Coast Corsairs was staying there and let me stash my army um, in that's their so, hotel room. so critical. Yeah, <laughs> but even even then, you know, I made it, you know, the morning of, dice are about to roll in 45 minutes, and I'm, you know, at the valet trying to get my car, get over to the Rio, yeah. park, and then all of a sudden I'm stuck in, in uh, trying to get my conve- convention badge in this mile-long line, and I still haven't gotten my army, and dice are rolling in 20 minutes, and you're like, oh, oh my gosh. you know, and, try- and being hungover would have just really been the icing on that uh, that, that cake. So luckily yeah. l- luckily I have a great team, the Left Coast Corsairs, and I, pull a- I, uh, I called for aid, and uh, Rohan answered the call because uh, I was like, red alert, <laughs> I need somebody to go get my army for me out of uh, Willow's uh, hotel room, and uh, um, you know I had some some great some great teammates to help me out and carry me and made my first game on time. Um, yeah. What did you think of the venue compared to Ballas? Was it a nicer venue? Was I mean the hotel's a lot newer, so. Well, the Rio, I believe, is actually slated for uh, de- demolition, and uh, they're good. They're going to be revamping that whole area of Vegas because there's nothing that's really developed over there, and I think they're just waiting right. for their – it's currently the home of the World Series of Poker, which is moving to Bally's, and then Bally's is getting totally rebranded. So, yeah. um, you know, it'll be interesting to see where the Las Vegas Open is next year. I liked Bally's as a venue. It was right on the strip. It was convenient. Yeah. You know, there was a clutch CVS right around the corner there. Oh, uh, my gosh. I think it was a lifesaver. Oh, absolutely! You Getting know. granola bars and some and some water and snacks. Um, you know, the Rio was it was a great host. Uh, there were a few shortcomings, which um, you know some people discussed. Uh, but you know, it was a, a plenty of space. The, the hall was huge. No shortage yeah. of just extra space to put your stuff down. Um, so yeah, I love space at a tournament. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like I feel so much more relaxed and 
sometimes like and and the nice thing now is like with the smaller i don't know if it's better in the majors i haven't played a major with the smaller boards yet um but hopefully like you get a little bit more space where you can put your armies on the table you know and, and things like that so yeah and scott reed the to um just did an amazing job hurting us you know, grown man children around and putting together a total winner of an event um, with his, uh, um, you know, his judge, his team of judges answered uh, questions succinctly and easily. And there were no major to my, to my knowledge, no major hiccups, rules, interactions, or, you know, um, you know, any sort of bitterness on that end. So hats off to Scott for running an incredible event once again. Absolutely, absolutely. I was super impressed with his team when we went there in 2020, and um, I had some questions, like when I was playing a couple of opponents, um, just about like wait, what's going on here, and they were really, really good about answering it, assuaging any concerns that I had. You know what I mean? And and um, like no hard feelings between me and the player with the way that they handled it, so that like we were still cordial and be like, okay, we're totally cool. Let's keep playing. You know and um, uh, that was and that was really good. Yeah. Um, here's a question. Here's I mean this isn't the LVL question, but uh, maybe an opinion question for you. Sure. Um, do you think that there are less questions about the game in 3.0 than 2.0? Hmm. Like less TO questions. And I have zero data to make this claim, but I'm kind of interested. I, I have a theory. Well, that is a really good question, um, and you know I don't. I, I don't know because there was a huge gap. I didn't I basically just didn't play for a year during, you know, yeah. 2020. So, um, you know, I I think I I heard, you know, somebody call for a judge once across all two days and they were walking around and they were great at sort of uh, getting ahead of things. So, but in general in 3.0, I think GW has done a wonderful job uh, with the table of contents, the way they've laid out the rules and going, really going, you know, there's the whole meme of, uh, rules are watertight. I mean, there's always <laughs> going to be funny interactions between, you know, and a game as complex as this. So, um, memes aside, I think they've done a, a, a really well, a really well done job at, uh, uh making sure things are spelled out as, as cleanly as they can. Yeah. So here's the, I, I agree. I think that the rules are written way better, right? And um, they are very, they, they're for the most part very clear. And especially with the examples that they give, you know, in the text with the rules, like it's not buried in some FAQ somewhere, but the examples that they give, you're like, okay, I see how this situation, I, I see not only what the rule means, but how it works in the game, you know? Absolutely. Um, and so I think that that's a great thing. Uh, the other thing, uh, the, here's the thing that I have um, kind of run into is uh, I had a question about order priority um, in terms of like taking turns. Because for example, my uh, unit could charge at the end of the charge phase, but um, his unit had something to do at the end of his charge phase. But because it was my charge phase, I could go, you know what I mean? It was a, it was a whole thing, mm -hmm. and um, mm -hmm. and so that was a simple question from the TO, just because like we weren't agreeing on when it should happen, and the TO came over and said, nope, it's this, 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 and like it was super easy, um, you know, interpretation, and once he pointed it out to both of us, we're both like, oh yeah, okay, totally, we we get it, you know, and so I feel I feel like, and again, maybe this is a question for James because he has um, James O'Brien, he's TO'd. Um, quite a few uh, big events recently, 
And so, you know, I think that um, there's probably less questions, and I think that the questions that they're answering are a little less complicated because you had a lot of stuff going on in 2.0. You had a lot of battalion stuff that you had to know. You had, to, you know what I mean? Like, you had to know, like, um, there was the um, initiative... Uh, um, you know the fight first war that was happening. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that 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 kind of that kind of reared its ugly head kind of in the middle of an edition. It was a new um, you know rule set that kind of uh, they started increasingly using in battle tomes. And yeah, it got a little hairy there for a while. They ended up putting out some document that really kind of explained it. But um, I, I agree with you. In three in third edition, it's it's much more um, clearly laid out. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, um, anyway, let's get back to LVL. That was just a little sidebar that I was like, what are we... No worries. You know, what's going on? So, um, uh, one of the things that I wanted to um, ask you about is, like, um, going into the tournament, uh, you saw kind of the breakdown of the meta. Were you surprised by anything? On Like, what were, some, what were a lot of the factions that you saw, and were you planning for them? The... Uh... TLDR was Stormcast. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and it's no surprise they got a great uh, new battle tome and uh, a couple of great new units. Uh, uh, there were some pretty popular tweets of people uh, flipping off every dragon army that was uh, at, at LVO. <laughs> there were certainly were no shortage of dragons and fulminators and long strikes. Um, so I, I think uh, I think something I think there were something like uh, over. 10 or 15 percent of the field was stormcast uh there were a lot of dra- a lot of dragons at this event a lot of fulminators uh lots of cities living cities with fulminators so um a lot of order um but hey you know they're great models they've got great yeah. rules and you know people are gonna people are uh, are gonna are gonna play cool models with cool rules so it really wasn't a shocker um you know i was going with a list that i felt was a very diverse list. I was leaning into diversity as a strength to sort of, no matter what opponent I was up against and no matter what their strategy was, I could sort of shape and mold my strategy out of clay based on what they wanted to do. And that was, yeah. you know, I haven't played too too much in the past year or so, so I was really going to just lean, in, lean on options to carry me through the day. Right, right. Um, and I think that that's a, I think that's a great strategy... Um, it looked to me that the two dominating um, factions, or there's kind of three, three big ones. Uh, Nurgle was a fourth, I think, like a kind of a distant fourth, which doesn't surprise me given that it was kind of a new book. But um, do you, you were able to take the new rules in there with you, right? Yes, and they uh, just snuck the FAQ in there uh, before before the deadline, so that was That's, also helpful. Yeah, yeah that was. Um, I know that because the didn't they have the the deal of like if there's no FAQ then you can't use the book? No, no, no. They you were still going to be able to use the book and uh, oh, um, okay. you, you know and I um, the 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 judge team was great about getting ahead of some things and having an answer for some of the more unclear uh, questions in the battle tome. So they were yeah. they were still going to be able to use the the new battle tome, but uh, um, you know the the team was well prepared if the the FAQ didn't arrive. So awesome, that's good, that's good. So uh, the the top uh, two factions that I saw were Stormcast and you know with with heavy on the dragons um, and Soulblight Glaive Soulblight Gravelords. 
Mm -hmm. um, was the other one, and then there seemed to be a good uh, orc, orc clans faction as well. Oh, there was a lot of orcs there too, for sure. A lot of iron jaws and a couple of big wads. Um, Nobody's playing bone splitters at the moment. I mean, I'm sure there's a faction there, but nobody's really playing them right now because they just aren't good. (laughs) (laughs) So I saw a couple cruel boys lists as well. Mm-hmm. Um, that was in there, but if you were to take them all as a, you know one book, so all of the all the orcs, and they probably were uh, maybe two, maybe three in terms of the most populous faction there at LVO. So, you know, it's not surprising. Stormcast, Soulblight, Gravelords, orcs, and then Nurgle was like number four, and then you had the smattering across everywhere, right? Of, of a lot of different other smaller random fractions. Yeah, you had some. You had uh, quite a few Sylvaneth armies there. Oh, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, out of the four Grand Alliances, Order was more than well represented at this yeah. uh, this tournament. But like you said, they had some uh, orcs, and then uh, also the the Sons of Bayamot, the 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 Gargan faction, and um, you know, you had some ogres playing around. It was a it was a good diverse field for sure. Um, I was I was really excited to to see the uh, to see how this uh, Nurgle list I brought could do. So did um, now I know that there was a while that you were playing around with KO uh, Caradron Overlords. Um, were there really any KO armies out there? I didn't see too many lists for them. Well, uh, the uh, top uh, Caradron Overlords uh, player in the ITC, Jeremy Vessier, who is a friend and teammate of mine, who is yep. probably one of the best Age of Sigmar players in the world. Um, yeah. Uh, he he wasn't at the event. Um, uh, Kyle um, Caleb, who's a SoCal local, just an amazingly skilled general tactician and list builder, who joins me on Aethercast, uh, the Caradron Overlords podcast. Oh, right. yeah. He yep. he he took Caradron Overlords with a really interesting army, um, with um, um, mixing in some uh, Iron Drakes into the mix, and I think he got a couple of tough matchups. And uh, uh, but. Uh, I can't say enough great things about Kyle, just as a player, a, a list writer, and as a just a general human. They're, um, they're. I think KO was so funny because they were so strong near the end of 2.0, um, but with 3.0 that came out with some of the stave stacking and the monsters that play such a big part. Mm-hmm. Um, they just seem to kind of have faded away a little bit. Well, I think one of the big things there was, first of all, the monster meta as, you know, hashtag monster meta. But, um, you know, the, on the other side of the coin, they're not giving away bonus points for having monsters in their list, which is fun. The big thing with KO and one of the reasons why I, I sort of drifted away slowly from that army for now because I love them, I love the minis, um, yeah. is, is they feel a little disjointed in 3rd edition with the way that Garrison works. Um, if you uh, want to get, if you want to get out of your garrison, if you want to get out of your transport, the ironclad, the frigate, or even the gun hauler, in some circumstances, your your ship, the boat, cannot move, um, wow. and so it's just it feels very disjointed. Um, and I would expect some update in the near future, hopefully for them. Um, and uh, like I said, I've got the minis ready and waiting, and uh, um, I, I love that faction, so yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So with the – I mean, we know what, what the makeup of Stormcast were, were the dragons. We'll talk about them in just a second. Uh, but the Soul Blight Gravelords, they, there's, um, there's another book right there that's got a lot of really cool builds that you can – you can go from right like you can have the crazy zombie build which just has so many zombies you know um and they do mortals and all that stuff you can have the radicar beast you know mode which has a bunch of wolves and and uh, he's given crazy bonuses to hit and wound and damage and all that stuff 
Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Did you face up against any Soul Blight Grave Lords? I did not. I affectionately call Radicar Chatacar because he really is <laughs> a, a, a beast. <laughs> no, so uh, um, there are a number of different builds you can do with the with the vampires, the Soul Blight Grave Lords, um, and my. F- Close friend and teammate Alex Gonzalez uh-huh. um, took uh, uh, Soul Blight Grave Lords to this event. Uh, just another, just stunningly skilled uh, player uh, and a great human all around as well. He had a great list um, where he took uh, an incredible, an impressive amount of Grave Guard, um, but then wow. also was able to have, uh, along with those, the number of Grave Guard who just. If you if they get the charge off on you, you know they just do an incredible amount of damage with two damage apiece and rend yeah. one and number of attacks and you know six is doing extra hits. But along with that, he had his um, concentrated power in the form of a vampire lord on zombie dragon who, yep. with a couple with a couple of buffs, you're staring down five attacks doing five damage apiece. You know, yeah, it's um, ridiculous. Like he's uh, and, and uh, that's just a like. Uh, do, does anybody rend? run Prince Vordry any anymore? Well, when I first moved to California, my um, my friends back east, they got me a, a going-away present of some uh, uh, Games Workshop gift cards, and I, I bought uh, Into the Grave Lords. I've got a bunch of Blood Knights and Vordry, and I, I think he's got play. I didn't see there. I didn't see any Vordry at, at uh, LVO, but um, certainly uh, Manfred, the Mortark of Night, has an incredible utility yes. to be able to hop around and snag objectives that maybe you thought were safe. So Alex Gonzalez also brought Manfred in that list. So okay. just incredible utility between numbers and a power piece like the Vampire Lord and a utility tech piece of in Manfred. So in the hands of a skilled general such as him, um, you know, he had he had good success. I think he ended up going four and one. Oh, very good, very good. You know, the only reason that I got the best of Night Hunt in the uh, 2020 LVO was because Alex took a different army than, than his <laughs> He ended up taking uh, the Ossiarch Bone Reapers there. Right. But uh, one right. of the one of the top players in the LVO this year did bring, uh, I believe, 120 zombies. Um, and uh, unfortunate for his opponent, um, another great Stormcast player who I played at the LVO, Mergonk, he, uh, unfortunately for Mergonk, he was playing long strike. So your Ren 3 uh, attacks uh, going into 120 20 zombies that just is um you know it's not going to have the effect uh, you know as it will against some other high armor opponents so i think right. mergonk ran into a hard matchup uh from what i saw um you know played admirably but uh ended up the uh, the uh, 120 zombie list ended up uh coming in second um falling short only to the eventual winner uh gavin grieger from uh, the harambe's heroes group in uh houston yeah yeah look that uh that zombie list it's funny because a lot of people I would talk to are like, oh, hordes are dead in, in 2.0. Uh, check out that zombie list. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, listen. That when... is so many wounds to chew through. That and are... if you don't kill them, man, they you, you're a goner. Yeah, you and know? they're they're piling in from six inches away. So even if you have a huge blob, like 60 of them, you're going to yeah. get them into combat. They're resing models. They do mortal wounds. They have weight of attacks. Um, and, you know, if you concentrate on the zombies, his other uh, pieces that he's playing with are going to get you. And if you focus on them, well, you got 120 zombies. So it's really, you know, uh, pick your poison. And, uh, yeah. uh, you know, and uh, um, uh, the, the, I, the name of the player escapes me. But I, I watched him play a couple of times and, you know, just really purposeful with his movement and just really skilled. So, 
Um, you know, that is, it's so funny because when I saw those zombie rules at first, I, I was kind of taken aback. I'm like, whoa, this seems like way too powerful. But thematically, it's amazing. Like, you know, I mean, like, the, the slow shuffle, but then they start to see their prey, right? Which is kind of like the pilot, and then they, they hustle it up. And then just overwhelming numbers that do mortal mortal wounds, right? Like, that's a zombie right there, man. They bite you, you're gonna, right? Like, I also, I also love how a unit of zombies does not have a unit champion like almost every other one of them does because there's no leader in a, in a, in a <laughs> right? shambling horde, right? It's just a, a collection <laughs> of people, of zombies that happen to be near each other. So, yeah, just another example of a, of a nuanced rule that, that really, uh, you know, scratches that thematic itch. Yeah. And I, um, I, I might have mentioned this already, but I think Soulblight Gravelords is right alongside there of the of the uh, Nurgle book in terms of a fantastically thematic, well written book. I think it's yep. an excellent an, an excellent book that gives you a lot of different options. You know, very very good. It's very they're, good. So. They're knocking it out of the park with uh, themey books that are also. Uh, you know, um, have a number of different builds and are very strong. You know, I'm, I'm really interested to dive into the Deepkin and the Fire Slayers book to see how um, how that that ends up, um, you know, panning out. And and of course, the Daughters of Cain are going to be getting an update um, eventually later in the year. So we'll I hope they yeah. continue because uh, the the quality of the battle tomes is really great. Uh, I remember in 2019 they were cranking out the battle tome. I think they averaged like at least one a month. And yeah. uh, uh, it was there were some things that I think slipped by <laughs> Slinash in 2019 <laughs> that that, <laughs> right. that kind of that kind of slipped through the cracks there. Uh, uh, but you know, like I said, uh, uh, the quality is is up there, even if the quantity is not. And I would much rather a well written book than just everybody gets a battle tome in a year. You know. Well, and uh, there's something that slipped through the cracks the other way, <laughs> Beats of Chaos, right? That like hundred percent. You read that book and you're like. Why was this even printed? And it's so <laughs> funny because you you say that, and I know, and I know that is the common thought. But uh, a close friend and an all around just great guy, uh, Matt Wynn in the SoCal area, piloted a Beast of Chaos list to four and one finish. Um, wow, I saw that. Yeah, and he, t- I mean, his list was. Uh, his list was amazing. He uh, brought um, twenty-four bulgors with a doom bull and a corn. Oh my gosh! <laughs> twenty-four bulgors, um, a doom bull, a corn demon prince, and the uh, um, the mind stealer's pharynx from the uh, yeah, slaves to darkness line. And yep. his th- his thinking was. Um, you know, Bulgors are great. They're rend two, three damage, and they get lots of attacks, and they do mortal wounds, but they, they have a five-up save, so they can't really take a punch. So Matt's thinking, I think, I don't want to speak for him, was that he's going to have a couple of different sources of strike last, where the Mind Stealer Spherinx and the um, the uh, uh, the Bull Endless Spell from the Beast of Chaos make you strike last, so he can control the flow of combat yeah. before he has to take a punch. And then the Corn Demon Prince with a giant aura of happiness having all charge rolls where yeah. he can he can get he the charge yeah yes and so i mean a, he dropped his first game but then went on a four and oh tear after wow, that wow that's amazing yeah and i was playing and he he dressed the part too he had he had like a um like a cow or a bull onesie on it was just amazing he's like <laughs> he's fantastic. a he is an incredible person and uh, um uh, i hope to play a game of uh, tabletop simulator against him here uh, shortly after um you know later tonight so he's a great guy that's, and that's fantastic well. he um 
he sounds he sounds great because the the going thing for the beats of chaos was like a crap ton of zangors and you know uh bray shaman and the hearthstone and all that stuff but that just you know it just wasn't competitive so i'm glad he found something man that that's awesome he 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 teched together a, a really awesome list, and he's going to be featured on uh, AOS Coaches podcast um, here coming up here, and oh, you know, that's it, great. yeah, yeah. So just a great couldn't happen. It couldn't have been uh, piloted by a better person either. That's fantastic. That's fantastic. So um, let walk, walk me through some of your matches. Like you, um, you had a great first day, and then maybe not such a great second day. Yeah, let's talk about of, it. Let's talk yeah. about it. Yeah. All right. So. Uh, um, yeah, so my um, I had a, I had a great a great day one. I had I had two great days. Um, I had a, a, my my first game was against a, um, a guy named Paul with a, a disciples of Zinch army. Couldn't get a more antithetical uh, matchup there. Nurgle and Zinch, very classic. Um, right. Um, he had a Kairos and a Lord of Change. Um, oh yeah. Okay. Yeah, and thirty of the uh, the acolytes, and he was just and the blue scribes, and he was pumping Ooh. out mortal wounds. Spells. Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. So many mortal wounds. Uh, Kairos with his flat six mortal wound, uh, the uh, uh, gift of change spell yep. there. Yep. Um, what the problem for him was, and the that was that I was rolling hot on my ward saves uh, all across. I mean, I think I averaged probably between fifty and sixty percent on a on a, a ward save that should only hit thirty three percent of the time. So. Um, yeah, so and I had this moment where I was licking my chops, right? Because um I was about to charge in with the Glotkin and get a free shot on his Kairos and I was like really gearing up and I rolled my charge dice and he's like, uh, yeah, I don't think so. I'm changing that to a that charge roll to a two with the oh. Kairos ability and I was like, Oh, the wind in my sails was just gone. But um no, but it was a it was a great it was a great moment and I, I just unfortunate for him and fortunate for me, you know, the dice were just you know, when I had to roll those five ups, I was rolling hot. So, um, you know, I moved on to my uh, uh, my uh, uh, second game. Oh man, which is uh, starting to uh, to uh, uh, elude me here. Let me just um, you know, if you uh, just uh, stall. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is where we <laughs> tap dance. Technical. And, uh... <laughs> yeah. No. Uh, here, I, I'm pulling it up now. So sorry about that. But yeah, no. no Paul was. Good. Paul was a Paul was a, a, a great opponent and yeah it was a lot of fun and I always love playing against Zinch because like I said it's just a classic a classic matchup of uh, um, you know Nurgle versus Zinch um, and of course my phone is just uh, spinning here uh, <laughs> uh, so just give me one second I'm so sorry no <clears> it's <throat> all good it, um, you know I've played against uh, Caleb um, Walters right and his oh, yeah. army, and it's stupid. Like it, like he has honed that thing so tight. In fact, I plan to get Caleb on the podcast at one point because he won the um, uh, was it the Austin Open Warhammer event? Well, he won uh, the overall Warhammer event, uh, the yes. championship. Yes, so. and and Caleb is a uh, Caleb is a, a phenomenal opponent. I've played him. Um, I've played him a couple of times when I was living out there. Here we go. Um, so yes, uh, I am pulling it up now. I can't believe I am uh, live on the air, everybody. 
Uh, so, um, yes, my, this is the opportunity oh, the how could I forget? doesn't work, right? <laughs> no, how could I forget? Oh my God. What an incredible game against Bill Curry, my round two opponent. Sorry for oh, the nice. brain fart there, Bill. Uh, he was playing a fire slayers list and everybody's oh. like, Oh, fire slayers, new book, but you know, maybe a little hard. They lost the, uh, war scroll battalion. Um, you know, the Lords of the lodge, Bill ran such a cool list. So, uh, <sighs> He ran 40 Hearthguard Berserkers, four units Ooh. of 10 Hearthguard Berserkers, and then oh two, ad- two additional units of 10 Volkites with a smattering of heroes. You know, you've, they're, they're all, I mean, what an, I mean, it's just do what you do best and then, you know, pile yeah. on and more. Um, I, I, those, this, those Hearthguard Berserkers, like, their strength isn't necessarily in the Lords of the Lodge. Their strength is really on their War Scroll. Oh, absolutely. With their ward saves, you know? With the ward save and uh, um, either whether you go axes or pole axes. He went pole axes, so every six is doing two mortal wounds. Oh, Um, my gosh. Yeah, and so I had, my thought was I was going to use, so I mentioned, you know, maybe I should uh, just run through my Nurgle list that I brought. I was just going to say, like, what what exact list did you take? So I took a Drowned Men sub-faction, um... And I ch- took the Glotkin and the okay. Lord of Af- the Lord of Afflictions with the overpowering stench command trait, and the Arcane Tome for the artifact, which makes him a wizard. And I gave him the Gift of Disease spell. Um, and then I took uh, an old favorite of mine, uh, Gutrot Spume. And yep. uh, then I took uh, a unit of twenty plague bearers, a unit of ten plague bearers, a unit of five putrid blight kings, and a unit of two puscoil blight lords. So I mentioned that my list, uh, the strength of it was diversity. Um, so Gutrot Spume allows me to take up to three mortal maggotkin of Nurgle units and um, bring them on from the board edge. So that could be. Um, the Blight Kings. It could also be the Puscoil Blight Lords. It could also be the Lord of Afflictions. It could also be the Glotkin. And I can out. I can bring them on from the board edge. Um, the Puscoil Blight Lords and the Lord of Afflictions can also uh, choose to deep strike if they if they wish. So a lot of different ways I can get onto the table. Um, and against Bill, I just put everything on the table and I chose to uh, the Drowned Men sub faction allows me to pregame move with the Lord of Afflictions and the Puscoil Blight Lord. So I decided to do that and to present him with uh, a couple of really tough bodies to slow him down. I didn't want to nice. face I didn't want to face 40 Hearthguard Berserkers all at once. Um, right. So I tried to sort of uh, piecemeal it. So I had uh, my Blight Kings coming in off the edge and I made the 9-inch charge and I occupied one unit of Hearthguard with five Blight Kings. I sent the Puscoils up the middle and got a charge off on them and was able to uh, tie up another unit and just sort of picking my fights. He got a free charge on my Glotkin with 10 Hearthguard Berserkers and I kid you not, Justin, on 20 attacks he rolled 10 sixes and did 20 mortal wounds to the Glotkin. Oh my god. Took him off the table. Now, um, the unfortunate thing for Bill, again, what a, what a fan, one of my favorite games of the weekend. Um, he had a lot of models to move, and um, it took quite a while. And so we, we made it to the end of turn three, and I had just a single point more. And we were playing um, a Power Struggle, where you score points if you hold the objectives for two turns. Okay. I, was a, I was able to jump onto the middle objective and claim that extra victory point at the top of turn one for 
scoring more than he did, or oh, for okay. controlling more. So you don't score until you've hold him for two, except for that one extra one. So that one extra point on the top of turn one is what won me the game. So no kidding. Yeah, um, it was an incredible game against an incredible opponent, so um, that was fantastic. And then moving on to my third game, uh, which was, again, I mentioned in a social media post, was probably one of the most tactically intense games of Warhammer I've ever played against a, uh, a Stormcast Dragon army, against a SoCal yeah. local here, Evan. Uh, he had the, uh, the dragon leader, the Knight Draconis, I think it is. Uh-huh. Then he had... A unit of four dragons, a unit yep. of two dragons, a unit of two dragons, and a unit of two dragons. So, 11 Stormcast Dragons on the Vice, which is a mission where you start with the four objectives in the corner, and then yeah. they move a little bit toward the middle, and then they all converge into one on the center. Oh, no. Um <laughs> That's not what you want with those dragons. (laughs) No, and he was all in a wrapped up in a battle regiment, so a one drop battalion, and um, so I I anticipated him giving me first turn, and then him going for a double turn. So what I did was using my my list diversity, I was not gonna let him just remove the Glotkin off the board. Uh, so I put him in reserve with the Blight Kings and Gutrot Spume and nice. my Lord of Afflictions and the Puscoil Blight Lords were in Deep Strike. I started the board with two units of Plaguebearers and they s- deployed on the objective. I had no hero phase. I had no movement phase. I had no shooting phase. I had no charges. My first turn was literally 10 seconds long. Uh, That's hilarious. <laughs> I scored my two points. I got my battle tactic and I, I gave it to him. And uh, um, I was able to outflank the Glotkin all the way on to his objective because I noticed that the mission, the vice, the objectives are very close to the edge, within six inches of the board edge. So snuck onto the objective there. I brought my uh, Blight Lords and my Lord of Afflictions onto his other objective and the other side of the board made both of those nine-inch charges and was able to take that objective as well. So at the end of turn two, I owned all four objectives on the board, um, which I think perhaps caught Evan off guard a little bit um, and uh, uh, but uh, I mean he has a great army and he's a great player so he was able to rebound very quickly and start taking my minis off the table um, luckily I was able to converge on the center and just withstand the onslaught of dragons converging on that center objective I had yeah. one really great turn where I had um, I chose my battle tactic wisely and where it was um, uh, bring it down, which is kill a monster, uh-huh. and I did it with a monster, and so uh, and then I killed a monster just by the very nature of um, you know the battle tactic. So yep. that one, I scored seven points on that one turn, and I uh, won the game by one point. Oh my gosh, another one! <laughs> An incredibly close game went all the way to turn five, and uh, um, like I said, Evan could not have played it any better. Just you know, I scored a seven-point turn, and he ran out of options for battle tactics at the end. Um, so you know, at the end of day three, I'm sitting on three and zero, oh, and as our friend Andrew Simmons compiled, I was the only chaos list to go three and zero oh, um, oh, wow. uh, at the end of day one, which was which was surprising. Um, and so, then yeah. So before we so before we move to to your fourth game, let's talk about why everybody's fearing these dragon this dragon list because it it took over the meta, obviously within the last month month and a half. So what's the issue with the dragons? They're just they they're really good. They're they so do good. <laughs> they do everything well. They do everything yeah. well. So they've yeah. got you know they've got good saves. They have one of the most important stats in the game is 
the movement characteristic which they have in spades. They fly. Um, they I think ignore. Got, what a ten inch movement or twelve inch movement. Uh, I think it's even. I think it's uh, uh, at least a twelve-inch movement for sure. Yeah. Uh, they fly. They have great movement. They ignore all spell effects on a four-up. They can yeah. move, shoot, and charge once per game in the hero phase, resource-free. So they have a lot of tools in their toolbox, and um, the, their shooting is just mortal wound shooting. Uh, and they don't have to roll the hit. They just roll yeah. the number of mortal wounds that they do. So um, they can put out range damage they have high rend high damage high quality attacks in the charge in the combat phase um you know they just they really just do it all uh great minis cool models um don't i i beautiful models i I can i can see why people are really into them um and you know it's a challenging army to uh to, to to play against for some so the um it's hard to hide from them, right? Oh, a, because you can't. the board the board has gotten a lot smaller and with mm-hmm. the twelve inch move and then you can in the first turn move again, right? You can run run, shoot and charge in, in the in the hero phase, right? Um, so you could do that again. It's impossible to hide from them. Um, and uh, so you have to you have to be prepared to withstand a, an onslaught in turn one. Uh, I think in this current season that we're at now, their their kind of weakness is that they're all monsters, right? The whole unit, the, like a unit of two dragons is considered a monster. So you kill that, you get a bonus point, right? They're giving so, away a lot of bonus points on battle tactics. Yeah. And like I said, that was, the, that was one of the big reasons I was able to get the win um, was because I had a four-point battle tactic, essentially. So I completed my battle yeah. tactic. I, I did it with a monster because I did it with the glot, and I killed a monster. So that one action uh, netted me four points, and then, of course, all my other uh, points for the objectives, the three points for objectives. So, um, you know, it, it, it is one downside to playing an army of all monsters with nine wounds. Now, they do have a three-up save, but they only have nine wounds. And yeah. we talked about how the disease mechanic can can really hurt you, no matter even if you are rocking a two-up save you know <laughs> yeah yep. well and uh, that's a great point and uh I, I think if the the natural instinct for somebody against the dragons is to try to turtle up which i think uh the way that you played it you know stretch that army into like three or four different locations and then that's much easier to pick them off right yeah the challenge for me was going to be the end of the game there when everything just focuses on the center and they can yeah. bring their their entire army to bear luckily i was rolling good with my ward saves i had really good positioning um anticipating the uh dog fight in this the dragon fight i guess in the center uh and so you know i was just able to to to, to win the day there but nine times out of ten evan wins that game I just right. I just stole one I just stole one from him. Yeah, it'll be interesting because um, the facts have come out. They didn't change them a lot. I know that there was a big points change when they first came out. Remember that that email that uh, Games Workshop sent out, or I guess it was an announcement. They're like, "Yeah, so we play tested this some more, and we really need to up the points cost on these." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I'm glad they did for sure. I it, it sounds like they might need to a little bit more too with how um, we'll see incredibly powerful yeah. they are. We'll see though. Um, and, all right, so day four. So you're rocking a 3-0 day one. Sorry, not day four, match four. You're rocking match a, four. Uh, 3-0 on day two, feeling real good coming into your next game. Who do you play next? So I played another great opponent uh, with Stormcast Mergonk, um, who uh, really is so skilled with his list writing. He was rocking a long strikes list with nine 
Annihilators. So for those Ooh, not intimately familiar like with... List. Oh, man. So the Annihilators are another new unit for Stormcast. They're three um, ultra-elite infantry. They come out of... Um, what we call deep strike which is traditionally nine inches away from your opponent anywhere on the board but they can come they can come down within seven inches they do mortal wounds when they come down uh from you know from uh from the sky and then when they charge in which they can naturally just re-roll their charge roll without a command point uh they do they do impact mortal wounds as well so and i think don't they get a two up on their charge too uh oh uh, for their armor safe uh, no, just just a, a, a plus two to their charge. Oh, um, it's very it's it's very possible. You know, uh, he he um, he was uh, uh, very unlucky with his charge rolls on the annihilators. He still got him in eventually, oh, wow. but um, my the reason why I lost this game not only because Mergonk is uh, an incredibly skilled player, I had a very big tactical blunder which I'm still kicking myself for, which is I remembered my success of the previous game where I held the glot off the Glott brothers in reserve and I was worried about getting shot by the long strikes and that was ultimately my downfall not the long strikes themselves per se but they're the threat of them where I put the Glott and the Blight Kings and Gutrod Spume in reserve um, and so he was effectively able to play to shoot at and attack half of my army and then oh. by the time I brought them on uh, I was so weakened, he was able just to yep. focus down the re- the other half of my army. And I realize now that maybe a better play, don't even know if it necessarily would have netted me the win, but a better play, I think, would have just to relied and trusted in my five-up ward, bullied my way up the board, uh, tried to get some cheeky charges off in his movement phase and broke yep. into his castle um, because he's got those griffhounds which allow him to shoot at me if I... Uh, set up within 12 inches of the Griffhound. So I can't right. just come off the board edge and charge his uh, his castle because he'll just get free shots off on me. So, um, you know, just an incredibly um, uh, smart way to deploy the way he did it in the corner yeah. using his the range and the reach and the power projection of those long strikes to really carry him. Uh, and it carried him all the way into the, the finals because he was one of the top eight and uh, made it past the first round only to lose in the second round to the eventual second place winner, which we talked about playing 120 zombies. So, yeah. Um, yeah. I, um, I, at the Nova Open, I lost to a, you know, a long strike uh, Stormcast list, and it was the same situation, right? Because I put a bunch of my units in, in reserve. Uh, to have them come on in the second or third round, and by the time they came on, it's just I had my half my army was gone. Yeah, so, you <laughs> yeah, know, I the, know. The other half came on, and you're like, "Well, this is gonna be fun." Yeah, you know? I know. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, um, you know, an incredibly skilled opponent, and uh, he played it right. And um, going into my last, so I knew, um, you know, I was going up against Matthew Jones for the uh, for the the best Nurgle in the ITC yeah. crown, and you know, he was playing really well. He's sitting on, um, you know, he's sitting on a on a um, on a three and one record there. Uh, so I, I had won uh, enough games on my first day to put some pressure on him. And so my last game was against an, um, another great opponent, James West in a glot versus glot mirror match. No way. Yeah. It's like that Spider-Man meme where they're both looking at yeah. each other and pointing <laughs> you. That's awesome. you. Yeah, yeah. So, um, this was all, this was such, and it's, I, I had played in another glot mirror match, um, with a, a local player, um, uh, before and it's so interesting because we can both charge in each other's enemy movement phases now James was playing a list 
uh, very straightforward. Glot with uh, Bloab, one of the Magath Lords, with a uh-huh. unit of 10 Blight Kings, a unit of 5 Blight Kings, and a unit of 5 Blight Kings. 20 Blight Kings, the Glot, and another monster. Um, and, uh, uh, man, he, he just... We were playing the... Um, uh, we were playing the uh, mission where there's uh, three in the middle um, uh, diagonally, and he put the glot in ten blight kings. Now, Justin, that is forty-one wounds. Oh my uh, gosh! It, it just in blight kings uh, and the glot in the middle. So I decided I'm not even going to try to crack that nut. Right? I'm gonna I'm gonna focus my energy on the other two objectives, which were a little bit more weekly. Um, you know, uh, guarded, and yeah. um, I think that was the right call. I just executed it poorly. I was a little bit too conservative with the glot, not wanting to get charged. And the other thing is, he ha- uh, the glotkin has a spell called Abundance of Flesh on his War yeah. Scroll, and right. he can get he can give plus one to the wound characteristic of a mortal magikin of Nurgle unit. The interesting thing there is that Blight Kings have four wounds. Well, when you give them an extra wound, they jump up to five and count as two models on objectives. So those 10 Blight Kings are 20 models for the purposes of objective grabbing. Oh, wow. Yeah, right. And so, um, you know, I, I, he moved his Blight Kings, um, had big block and the glot over to one of the side objectives. Um, I attempted to uh, charge in his, uh, in, at the end of his movement phase to prevent him from charging onto the objective just like we yeah. talked about with those great with the glove i failed the five inch charge and oh, he was no. yeah he was so he was able to uh to slam in with a with a um a huge block of those kings and you're just never shifting those guys uh james though just really incredible with his uh, um with his uh forethinking and his execution on his plan uh carried him to a four and one finish and the best the top ranked uh nurgle player for the event um, wow, that's amazing. He's also going to be on AOS Coach uh, here <laughs> eventually, and uh, uh, from what I understand. And uh, um, so, yeah, um, a great game. Uh, I, I was still, I honestly, I think I had a little, I was still thinking of the previous game against Mergonk in my mind and and uh, uh, kind of, you know, got into my head a little bit. But, you yeah. know, I, I made a couple mistakes. James capitalized on them, pounced on them right away, and, you know, uh Kind of, kind of capped off a little bit of a disappointing day, day two. But you know, really topped the, uh, really topped the the event for me off just really, really well. So what I think a lot of people don't realize if they've never played in a major like this, right? Because um, it's even different than. Um, I guess this is a this is a grand tournament, right? Not a major. Oh no, it's a it's a major for a sure. Major. Oh yeah, okay, it's a major. I get those two terms confused all the time. Because uh, a grand tournament is still five five games right but a major is like five games but it has like a ton of people right yeah it's 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 uh, the difference between a major and a grand tournament is the number of players the difference between a grand tournament and what people call an rtt which stands for rogue trader tournament or a one day it's the fact that it's just a a single day and only three rounds yeah so uh, i was gonna say that uh you know what what if people haven't played in in a major like this uh one like the pressure is pretty high at these majors, right? Because this is where you can get a lot of ITC points. And so the competition's coming out to really play. Um, and two, like at the end, like in your day, day two, game five, man, my brain is usually mush by that point. And so it, I am not nearly as sharp as I was on my first, first two games. 
for example, you know, yeah, um, you, you gotta just, really have a mental, you gotta have some mental yeah. toughness, you know? Yeah. I, I, Cause it, it is, it, it really makes a difference. If you can be sharp during those last two games. Um, I remember at the Nova open, I lost to a Sylvaneth list that I should not have lost to because I was just, I don't know where I was mentally. You know, I know, I know where I was mentally because I had played the RTT. So three games and mm-hmm. then we started the grand tournament, so I played three games, and so that Sylvanith game was game seven for me in yeah. three days. You know what I mean? And I just was not there mentally. Like I didn't wake up mentally until my next game, unfortunately. You know, so um, you know it's it's kind of funny we're all playing a game here, but yeah, it can be very mentally draining. Um, you got to make sure that you've got plenty of water and yeah. uh, some some good uh, protein based snacks and lay off the carbs at lunch. That's my that's one of my <laughs> keys really to success. I, I lay off the carbs at lunch. Try not to get sleepy for uh, for the the second half of the day. I, I bring yeah. some granola bars and some you know cheese sticks and and plenty of water. You know you got to stay hydrated. It sounds it sounds ridiculous because you know you're not running a marathon here. You're playing Warhammer, but but it, it you know your your mental acuity can dr- sink like a stone based on what you eat and how much water you have. I'll tell you, you know, I mean, I get tense playing these games because you get in these moments where you're just like totally focused and and you know it's a like you're 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 playing an, an intense chess battle with this other person, right? And for nine um, hours, <laughs> for nine hours, and I go back to the hotel room being like, dude, I feel like I literally ran a marathon today. You know, like yeah. my body is so tensed up, you know, and yeah. just like, like, whoa, dude, my muscles are sore <laughs> and it, it shouldn't be. You yeah, know? No, so, yeah, yeah, it can be, wild. it can be intense for sure. So yeah, yeah gr- great experience. Some uh, amazingly painted armies. I ended up, I was, you know, I was honored to be uh, nominated for one of the best painted armies. I ended That's up coming so in. Ended up coming ninth out of twentieth for the you know for the you know the top twenty are nominated on the first day and then you um, bring your army in for the second day for judging and I was able to get uh, ninth best painted at the LVO so that was also an honor. And there was probably what 170 people there. Uh, I there was almost 200. It would think it was in the okay. 190s. Yeah. So you were top 10 percent. I mean top five percent. Point five percent. Yeah, top five percent. That's pretty. That's 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 amazing, man. That's that's great, and I have no doubt about that because I've seen that army. So, I I was in the you know. but I was in the presence of uh, I was in the presence of giants, uh, hobby giants, because some of these armies were, I mean, just stunning. They just looked like they were you know manufactured the way that they were painted. They were oh, so wow. good, Fla- flawless, flawless. Yeah. That's a that's amazing. So um, you touched on this. This is the last thing I want to talk about before we go. Um, you touched on this a little bit. We've got. Uh, Games Workshop gave us a little bit of a roadmap um, through summer. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got four confirmed books coming out and two that have not been yet to be announced. So um, I want to talk about it with you a little bit. The, the first two books that are coming out within the probably the next month, um, at least for pre-orders, is the Fire Slayers and the Iden of Deepkin books. Um, so what, what, what do you expect to see out of some of these books? I... I expect to see uh, a similar theme that we've seen with Gravelords and Maggotkin and some of the other 3.0 books where they are on point thematically yeah. um, and and hopefully the the power of the rules is in line relatively. There's always going to be an ecosystem of battle tomes. There's going to be some that are stronger than others, but you would just hope that there's nothing just like 
you know, in another in another solar system in terms of of power, like we have right. seen sometimes in the past. You know, you look at a book like maybe the Sylvaneth, and then you look at a book like you know uh, the the you know the New Stormcast book or the or the Sons of Bayamod, and you know it's just. I, I think there's some power discrepancy there, which you know these new books are are going to be really great at at reigning in, I think, and but also playing thematically. So, um, you know, Fire Slayer should be tough. They should be, yeah. you know, the the Deepkin should have lots of ways to uh, to have really fast moving um, troops, and you know they should be really swift. They're elves and they're dwarves, uh, the Fire Slayer. So, yeah. uh, I, I have no problems with with armies, you know, having an identity and being really good at it. But you know, you just I I, th- I think I would hope and I expect from what we've seen so far, thematic books with balanced rules. So, you know, it's funny you say that because I, one of the biggest disappointments for me was the Fire Slayer book that came out in 2.0. Like, um, it had some amazing War Scrolls for the Hearthguard Berserkers, and that was pretty much it. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, if you didn't go Hearthguard Berserker, what are you even playing, bro? Well, you know? pre- and, and previous to that, that book was all about the Volkites. So the yeah. you know the the you know the Hearthguard became the Volkites, and the Volkites became the Hearthguard, and you know it yeah. kind of went from one unit to the other, and yeah. So you know you hate to see somebody who you know bought into the first Fire Slayer book, if we're using that example, yeah. got a bunch of Volkite berserkers, and then they get a new book, and it's like. Oh well, my oh, now I all spent fifty dollars on five models. Uh, yeah, and I yeah, a whole get, army of them. <laughs> yeah, and so you know you hate to see that. So that's where I really like to see some of these books, and you know tying bring it all back to the Magakin. You know, um, you know somebody who is just like man, I love these. Uh, you know these Puscoil Blightlord models. So you buy a bunch of them, you put them together, you get them on the tabletop, and they don't perform like they do. Yeah. You know you'd you'd. You'd hate for the next book to come out, and it's it's the Puscoil Blightlord show, and that's all you right. can play competitively, which luckily is not the case with this Nurgle Battle Tome. Yeah, I would love to see for the Fire Slayers more Magma Droths. I mean, I think those are such cool models that you just S- never see because they suck. Yeah, so right <laughs> such 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 great uh, minis that again, you know, I haven't done a deep dive into those new yeah. Battle Tomes, but I'm excited now- to. Now, the IDK, they're, they're doing okay competitively. We have our good friend Sergio who plays them. I know um, uh, our buddy Lincoln. Did you ever see his All Sharks list? <laughs> no, but that sounds – oh, man, Dude, I miss Lincoln. it was I miss amazing. Lincoln. He I was miss telling Lincoln. me about it. I know, right? Lincoln Lincoln does a great job of, like, um, of, uh, of pulling out some of these lists. But as subtle as, it, subtle as a sledgehammer. I know, but, you know, tell you what was so amazing about that Sharks list that he was telling me about – um, you know the deepkin rule is you have to always shoot at the the closest model, right? So he would just have one shark out there, and <laughs> they could only target all their shooting could only target one shark. And he's like, I'll happily give that one shark up because I have eleven of them. You know what <laughs> yeah. I mean? And then yeah, he would exactly. just like get into them and just rip them apart. Yeah. So, um, well, you mentioned Deepkin and you yeah. mentioned Sergio. Sergio, uh, I'm sure you'll have him on here, but you know Sergio was uh, uh, um, uh, able to take home. He's the uh, top-ranked Deepkin player in the ITC. So oh, you know, that's just amazing. I mean, you want to talk about somebody who um, just knows how to play the game on a fundamental level. Yeah. Um, Sergio can can 
very quickly assess what your strengths and weaknesses are, uh, analyze that, cross-reference that with what his army's strengths and weaknesses are, come up with a plan and just you know, execute it, you know, so, um, it's no surprise that he is the, uh, uh, you know, the, uh, the big fish, as they say, in the, in the, in the big pond of the ITC. And, uh, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure he had a really high, uh, top finish in the overall rankings as well. So, um, yeah, I think he finished in the top 20. Um, if I remember correctly, I think he was like 19, 18 or 19. I, I believe that to be the case, and it, it is it does not shock me. It only shocks me that um, you know he 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 wasn't uh, closer to the top because uh, a fan fantastic player and uh, um, yeah. just an even greater human being. So, so the other two books that are coming out, uh, uh, Daughters of Cain. Um, how do you feel about the Daughters of Cain book coming out? Well, they've never been bad ever. Right. Exactly. Both Never. books have both both <laughs> before it was the 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 witch spam list with the yeah. you know everybody's got a five up five up uh, you know and then now nowadays it's all about uh, bow the snakes, bo- right? bow snakes yeah. and yep yeah, and uh, uh, and so they've never been bad and I don't want them I don't want the book to come out and to suck and I don't want yeah. the book to come out and all of a sudden bow snakes suck um, right. so I'd again, like to see a little bit of balance. I- I feel like the Daughters of Cain was. Uh, we talked about like the books that always had like, maybe maybe one playable faction wasn't the right thing. It was the obvious faction for them yes. because it was just so good. It was know? the it was the obvious it was the obvious pick, and anything less than that, you were just playing suboptimally. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. So I'll be interested to see what they do. Now the next one near and dear to my heart, my friend, the Night Hunt book. Oh, yes. I am so excited to see what they do with this Night Hunt book. Um, I think, this is my prediction, I think that we'll be switching realms when those two books come out because Ooh. there are zero, zero monsters except for the Morngull, which is a Forge World, Forge World model yes. in the Night Hunt army. So if they were to release Night Hunt in the realm of Gur still, they would have to come out with some like three or four monster option models, <laughs> which I don't see them doing. Right. 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 Um, they've already kind of released some new models, which are the crossbow chain rasp looking guys. And I think that that's great because night hunt has like one model that can shoot, you know, pretty much. And so, uh, I guess there's two models. There's two models that can shoot. Um, and so now they're going to get some shooting, which I think is going to be very interesting uh, and so I think, and, and this tracks because they're coming out late spring, right? Um, or in the springtime. So I think they'll kick off the new, um, the new season. And that's my prediction. Um, and then uh, we have two unnamed books. We have a chaos book and an order book. What are your predictions for those two? Uh, my official prediction going on the um, going on the record here, Chaos, I think is going to be Skaven, and okay. the Order is going to be Sylvaneth. Um, GW, I, 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 somebody else picked up on this as well. Um, you know, they said some chaos, uh, some mischief flavored chaos, or something like that yeah. along those lines in the preview. And uh, um, you know, as a as a, a, a nature lover, uh, a, a collection of rats is called a mischief. Yeah, and they're not. Um, 
they're kind of subtle like that, but not subtle like that, right? She I know they, they might <laughs> they might even maybe didn't even think that you know think that we, or did that a purposeful, but uh, um, I think it's Skaven. Um, they have some of their rules, their battle traits, just for being a Skaven army are yeah. completely invalidated. Talking yes. like a KO, uh, you know, their army feels a little disjointed in third edition. Skaven has some rules just completely invalidated by the new edition. So um, right because di- they were so wrapped up in the battalions, right? Like, the battalions, great battalions. Well, and also they got um, the one of their battle traits is for every ten models they got plus two to their bravery, where a- everybody used to get plus one. That's not even a rule anymore, so they don't get anything uh, for one of yeah. their battle traits. So they need an update, and the Sylvaneth, um, uh, you know, without me sounding. Uh, so condescending. They needed a new book from the first day that their battle tome was released. <laughs> it's very true. Uh, you read that thing and you're like, oh, this is just not good. They have command abilities that force you to spend a command point, but then roll a dice to see if a mediocre effect happens. So, um, you know, that Alariel yeah. uh, got a, a little bit of a buff uh, to her through one of the. Uh, uh, Broken Realms books, and it's great, and she's she's an incredible model, and she's she's playable, and uh, but I think um, I think that book could use a little bit of an internal balance shift, an internal balance yeah. shift. Yeah, that sounds about right. I, I I think I think you're right. There's a lot of uh, factions out there that um, that need the rules updates because they had so much wrapped up into their battalions. They didn't have the mm-hmm. sub factions necessarily. Um, that could carry them through, right? And they were sort of cobbled together. I mean, you could tell which ones, like Night Hunt got sub-factions so that they could be somewhat playable in 3.0. Um, and they tried to do a little bit more of those in the Bellicor books and, and some of the Broken Realms books. But, you know, they couldn't get to all of them. And so um, I thought that the order um, was going to be a new faction. Ooh. I thought it was going to be the, um, you know, the Malarian uh, kind of dark elves from U- Ulgu. Well, if you're talking about a realm shift, um, you know, that might be the time to do it. Yep. And and uh, if you think about it, right, like they gave Gur a lot of love because with this monster stuff, because Gur just was not being played in 2.0 at all with some of this stuff, right? Because some of the rules were really weird. Like, you had to bring monsters to the table, and nobody's bringing monsters to the table. Um, and so, unless you're playing a narrative campaign. And so, uh, but Uglu was the other realm that was not really used a lot either. So, I, I could see them shifting to that and bringing in a new faction of these, you know, shadow elves. Um, under Malarian, because he's been he's being teased coming out for a long time now. Yeah, and you know? so you know that would give him an opportunity to change the realm, change the storyline. You yep. know, uh, the the as the world turns, the you know the soap opera of uh, Age of Sigmar continues with all sorts of fancy characters and. Yep. Um, I think that's a I think that's a valid prediction. And just a side note, I love how they're doing these seasons with a oh, with a with so a flavored good. realm. Such a so great good. idea. Yeah, and you can really change the meta really at any time 
you know, you know, hey, you want to you want to make it a caster heavy meta, you bring it to the realm of metal and, you know, or you want to make it a, you know, some sort of, uh, um, you know, other flavor, you bring it to the Ulgu realm or have it or really whatever you want. So it's just wide open. So it's a great concept. I love it. Totally. My prediction for the chaos one, and this is a Hail Mary. I want to see a Beast of Chaos book. I really yeah. do. You know, I think th- I, I think they deserve some rules love as well. Yeah. So um, I would uh, I, I if I were collecting armies right for every faction, I've got my ghosts in in death, I've got my orcs in destruction. Um, I would love to get a fire slayer collection. I don't know why I'm drawn to these ha- half naked dwarves so much. <laughs> like I really am. Uh, and then the beast of chaos. There's like a special place in my heart for these little goat boys out there you know so hey i wouldn't mind to see an update to the gloom spike gets uh, being gloom spike yes. gets being a, a spider fang lover myself i have yes. a huge spider fang collection so um you know hey everybody's got their wish list but we'll see where the uh where, where gw decides to take us on our journey 100 percent. well listen matt i have taken an hour and 38 minutes of your time and i've loved every minute of it I've taken an hour and 30 minutes of time away from your audience. So yeah, let's, no, I'm just kidding. I had, I had, it's always a pleasure to uh, come on and, and talk Warhammer. Um, you have no shortage of uh, great guests. So I love that you're starting off this series uh, talking Warhammer on your uh, tabletop and beyond podcast. And um, yeah, I can't, uh, I'll see you. I can't wait to play another game with you sometime soon, Justin. I'll oh try my to make gosh. it, I'll try to make it out there for Nova. Uh, yeah, that would be amazing. That would be awesome. And uh, if we can't get one together, we need to get one together just on us, right? <laughs> so, absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, thank you so much for coming on. Uh, loved having you on here. First guest, you you know, you, you got to set it off right. So appreciate you. And uh, for all the rest of you out there, uh, go ahead and share this with your Warhammer buddies. Let them know that we're going to be talking, you know, Age of Sigmar primarily, maybe some 40K here and there. But, uh, you know, we're going to get some good guests on there. Fortunately, um, I, I, I am blessed, uh, Matt, to have kind of found Warhammer in an area where we have a lot of really skilled players in here in oh, yeah. Virginia who, has a, who have a lot of connections with a lot of people in the, in the Age of Sigmar, right? So um, I can't wait to, you know, this is going to sound bad, but leverage those contacts a little bit to try to get more people on here that can really talk about some of the tactics and and aspects of the game so that you know we can have a great great time talking about it and getting ready for our next tournament i agree you you really you got a great group out there in northern virginia and um, uh, i was happy to uh uh land uh in socal with just an amazing collection of uh of people to to really uh soften the blow of of leaving the the great nova area so yeah well thank you so much uh thank you everyone for listening and uh let's roll some dice Yes, sir. Yes, sir. (laughs) All right. Have a great night, everybody. Bye-bye.